Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or in SoundCloud. Get it automatically. You can catch the show on the Stitcher app as well. Like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. My public email is josh at MyFirstSketch.com. And the Twitter is, what else would it be, at MyFirstSketch. All right, so one of the other producers of Philly Sketch Fest, Kurt Reedy, is getting ready to teach Sketch Comedy 101 at Helium Comedy here in Philadelphia through what they call the Helium Comedy Academy. The classes start Wednesday, September 12th, and more information can be found at heliumcomedy.com. And I'm going to announce a little coyly with, a, with no details yet. Dirtiest Sketch in Philadelphia is on the horizon, and I will tell you more about it in the weeks to come. But today's guest is Chris Esperance, currently a member of American Express. His first sketch is called Sims. Chris plays Bo, Zach, and the manager. I read the roles of TJ and Razor, and I'll give you any of the stage directions as well. So let's go to the sketch. Eugene and TJ sitting at their computers. Is it Friday yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. Check out this new viral video I found over the weekend. It's hilarious. TJ looks away annoyed, gets up from his desk. Oh, I can't. Lights out. Spotlight shines on TJ. Razor enters the spotlight. Beat. TJ is startled by Razor. Listen here, little man. Excuse me, what? Just play the game. Who are you? Just play the game. Razy Creepy backs away into the darkness. Lights up, TJ stunned. Hey, what's the Wi-Fi password again? Illadelph, all caps. Hey, Eugene, you ever think about getting out of here? Like, to the break room? It's kind of early, but sure. Th- this is your future, present, and past talking to you. Lights back on. <laughs> Bo exit scenes. TJ puts on his brave face. Eugene pulls out his iPhone, unlocks it, searches for the meme while TJ waits. Here it is. Cool. Uh-oh. I must not be on Wi-Fi. Give it a minute to load. TJ winces, but keeps it together. <laughs> Technology sucks, right? I know. <laughs> Uncanny. TJ starts to walk away as Eugene trails off repeating, Is it Friday yet? Is it Friday yet? To himself while a YouTube commercial plays event- before eventually loading the viral video. Hey, have you finished the Sims training? It's due by end of day. If it's... it's I, uh, Lights out. Spotlight again on TJ. Bo re-enters scene. Lights dim around everything else. TJ turns to his life coach. I'm losing it, coach. Feels like I'm going crazy. Means you're doing it right. You want to keep your job, don't you? <sighs> okay. Lights back on. TJ keeping it together. Focusing, focuses his attention back to Zach. Thanks for the reminder, Zach. The manager enters scene. All right, everybody. $2 draft tonight after work. Who's coming with? Me. Yup. Um, uh, I, uh... Join us. Don't be a robot. Robot. 
Robot. Robot. Lights out. TJ and Bo on display. Go. You'll be just like them. <sighs> Is it Friday yet? And blackout. Hey, Chris. Hey, Josh. How are you doing? All right. So tell me about this sketch. Tell me about Sims. So um, I think this is... uh, So this is my first sketch. And uh, I would have been really early into starting comedy. So uh, I think I started comedy literally January January 2016. Okay. Uh, so this would have been a couple months in, I think, maybe six months in, actually. Uh, and I think at this point, this would have been, this is maybe the, the potential comedian in me trying to reveal itself from a, a work person. Uh, so I think what I'm trying to get out is is kind of like anybody else, uh, you know, the office life can be draining and it could just feel like there's a bunch of just drones lingering around you who kind of are just in this world. And I think I was trying to create some simulated office environment uh, and at the same time have kind of the two guys on your, or actually uh, the, the image I had was, kind of that that rocky coach um kind of on on your shoulder saying uh like stick with it as whether it be like just trying to get through the corporate world and Mm -hmm. i think i tried to have another uh sort of angel and uh demon sort of on your shoulder i think i tried to have another uh kind of fruition or character as um like a follow your dreams type uh that was the attempt, but yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned pretty early on in your, like your comedy career. Uh, did you write this for a class? Did you just write it for the heck of it? Oh no! So I wrote this for uh, I took classes at Fit Comedy, Twenty uh, Samson, mm-hmm. uh, with Matt Schmid, and uh, this is one of just our assignments. I think this was to you know, write something. Uh, that you can relate to or write something personal. Uh, and this was just one of them. Okay. Uh, um, uh, before we get too deep into doing classes and stuff at fit, let's go back. Uh, what was your, like your earliest comedy memory? What was like your comedy fandom growing up? Oh, my comedy fandom growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that to me had to be, uh, Martin, uh, Martin Lawrence on the Martin show. And, um, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh, as far as uh, I mean, that that was as a kid. That's what I thought comedy was, and even today, when I look at that, it just it's. I literally look at that, and I my mind is like there there there's really nothing else. Like that to me is playing a bunch of characters, being crazy, being emotional, um, just super super fun. Yeah, I think I'm I'm way more versed in Fresh Prince than I am in Martin because I think Martin aired while I was at, I was at like Boy Scouts or something, so yeah. I never watched it. Yeah, I it, it didn't get the same prime time 
feel, I don't think, as Fresh Prince, but uh, it meant it meant just the same to me. It had as much of an impact. Um, yeah, those two were my favorite. And they weren't, I, I wasn't really into, um, I, and I, I don't know if you meant stand-up comedy. I wasn't. I, I mean anything. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. I wasn't aware of stand-up comedy until a little bit later. Chris Rock, I think, was the first one I remember seeing on stage, sort of demanding a stage. Um, and I thought it was amazing, but I think sitcom uh, actors like Will Smith and Martin Lawrence stuck out to me for a long time. Yeah. Um, what's your introduction to like sketch or improv comedy? Or when did you first realize that that's a thing? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so the, the first time... Oh, it it took a little bit. Um, I'm I'm so late to this stuff, and it's, it it kills me. But I also feel um, uh, still rejuven- rejuvenated almost. But um, I think my first, the first time I realized, oh my god, I need to get into this is uh, it's late, but Key and Peele. Um, that was the first time where I was watching something, and I was like, I'm. I, I'm more than I'm enjoying this so much that I want to be on stage with them. Like I literally, that was my thought when I would watch those two. And there, there became a point where I was, I became tired of being the consumer and I wanted to be the creator. Like I was getting nauseous literally of just like watching and, you know, all these YouTube clips, all these Netflix, all this comedy. Um, and I would get, unreasonably jealous well even before i did any comedy which just makes no sense to me even today like i would i would watch stand-up and in my mind my main thought was not even that i was better than them my main thought was i could also be not funny too like when i would see a bad (laughs) why can't i do that um but uh and another big big moment for me was actually this is so random but i got to see uh, the Colbert Report live, you know, when he was on, when Steve yeah. Colbert was on Comedy Central, I got to see that live. And that was the first time, uh, that was the first time I saw, for me, he kind of took off the mask in the beginning. He was, you know, addressing the audience. That was the first time for me, I realized like character. Like he, he was a complete normal, nice family guy. He was like, after this, I'm just going to go home to my family. He was really talking, just very casual, and then he just lights on, boom, character, and that also was the first time I realized, no matter, I, I could do any, I would want to do anything on that stage. Like I, I was, I was so captivated. I, I was interested in either in being behind the camera, um, uh, on on the camera. Like I just wanted to be somewhere involved in that and i just remember thinking i could i could be in any one of those roles and be super happy um that was the first time i realized it and saw it as like something very clear very tangible um and almost consumable because i saw the transformation right in front of me as opposed to kind of the allure of the the tv screen really Mm. Uh, all right, so uh, I ask everybody, um, and it's just just for my own curiosity, do you have a favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? 
I, I, I can I say many. I think I have to say Keenan. Mm-hmm. And it might be biased because I'm thinking about um, I'm thinking about Keenan and Kel and all that. Um, that that looks perfectly. Yeah, there's just times where I, I just relate. He he holds it together in in a, an incredible way, but he's and he's he kind of he has this uh, contagious joy or contagious sort of like fun. Uh, where I mean, everybody always says Jimmy Fallon kind of breaks. I think he he sort uh, 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 Keenan just just cracks a little bit, and the and but he still keeps the tension. Where Jimmy broke the tension, Keenan keeps the tension, right, which is right. for me. Yeah, uh, you're seeing that Keenan's having fun without completely ruining the scene. Like, yeah, yeah, and um, and for me, it's like uh, with with seeing him and. Well, we have Cubes Arsenal. Seeing him, it's. Um, I think when you hold it together, it's that that performance is for the audience. I think when you lose it, you're making it for yourself. Obviously, if you're having fun, you just can't help that. But um, that's something that I've tried to keep in mind in a performance. If somebody else cracks me up, where it was like, keep it, keep it together, because that straight face or that that composure can make the sketch and i think he's he's been my favorite the, the david ortiz character that he does is is just <laughs> it, it, that's uncontrollable to me I, I can't i can't even take it yeah it's crazy to think that like uh i first uh knew of keenan back with you know d2 mighty ducks which i i assume that's the first of everybody and then like he does heavyweights and then goes to Nickelodeon for a ton of time doing all that and Keenan and Kel and a bunch of other things. And then now that he's like the longest running cast member on Saturday Night Live for in history is mind blowing to me. Like it's so crazy. That is uh, just because I mean, seeing knowing that he's all the way back from uh, Keenan and Kel and it, and you don't hear, much from him outside of comedy if anything um and and i don't and there's definitely times on snl i don't think he's always been or even now he's he's not he he hasn't always been the superstar but he's always been around and he just kind of i think the spots have picked him and he's kind of it seems to me that that he's one to kind of just go just go Go where the fun is. Follow it. Follow the fun. And um, yeah, the fact that he's been doing that long is, is insane. And he's been sim- in a very similar way. To all that, his characters and all that, they're just great. <laughs> all right. So, how do you stumble upon fit? How do you get to like? What prompts you to take your first class there? Uh, for me, it was uh, seeing. Realize I was literally looking up for. Again, just on my own, looking up all of these comics, even late night show hosts like Conan, he's he's my favorite. Um, I would always look up Stephen Colbert, Cam Peel, um, all these people who I thought were kind of comedy geniuses. I, I would look up their background, see what they, how they got to where they are, and a, a lot of people had some sort of theater background. Um, they had some sort of sketch background, some improv background, uh, and for me, that was 
that tangibility where I was like, okay, that's that's at least where I could try this. So I literally just uh, Googled, you know, Philadelphia Improv or something to that effect and uh, mustered up the courage. I, I'm, I'm really, I mean, I didn't do any theater in high school or college or at all. So the idea of that definitely froze me. You know, that, that, that's not really a comfortable, that wasn't a comfortable thought for me. Um, but I just, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't not try it. It, 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 would, it. I just could not try it. So I signed up for free improv to, or free intro to improv workshop at Fit Comedy uh, with, I think, an improviser named Kevin Pettit, who's great. And um, yeah, the, the people in there were interesting. Um, and for me personally, I'm, it, it's very easy for me to kind of, uh, you know, say if, I'm at, if you're at a party and it's, you know, not really a party for you, you kind of could just leave, right? It, for, for me, even though um, I didn't really know anybody, everybody had different skill set, um, I was still, uh, I was still interested enough where I was like, regardless of who's all in this room right now, I'm definitely coming back tomorrow. Um, I was just super interested. I, from the from the, I was I was so happy. I was interested too. I, it it um, it met my expectations early on, and I need I needed that uh, that introduction to the process. I was really 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 captivating for me all right so you go through the course system like all right so who are your instructors who did you know 101 201 who were who were guiding your path yeah aaron pitts who is on uh probably the best team uh improv team in philly right now uh called hooch and she was my one-on-one teacher and she actually ended up being my uh so fit has house teams uh that people audition for and everything she ended up being my coach uh, you know, for the past two years, uh, she, she still is my coach. Uh, so she was my one-on-one and I still take, I still t- take her lessons, um, and her leadership on a team and even just, uh, sort of controlling in a, a class or, um, you know, it could be a lot of anxiety and angst, especially in the beginning. And she, she was really great at taming that, um, and honing that, um, 201 was David Danella. Uh, he's out in L.A. now. Uh, we ended up being on the same team, learned a lot from him. And actually, Aaron and David, I think you need people like them. Uh, they were the first two to say, like, hey, you should audition. Um, I don't even know if I was aware of it, but I definitely wouldn't have done it. Uh, but those two specifically reached out to me and said, hey, you should audition. Um, and that meant a lot to me. Um, uh, for uh, 301, I had uh, 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 Jessica, oh, I forget her last name, I had Jess, Jessica, who's uh, just an actor. <laughs> At least that's what I thought when she, she, she taught our 301. And um, for me, that, that I tried to, uh, I, I tried to, I, I got a lot of emotion, emotion, um, as an as an option, like you can use emotion as an option to um, to make a, to drive a scene or to drive your character. Um, and for four one, I had Kristen Shear, who is uh, 
she is sort of a staple of um, kind of a legend uh, in in Philadelphia and sort of just this might sound silly but I think across the improv nation you know her name rings so um, she was absolutely phenomenal I took her class twice have you done a conservatory class yeah, at a conservatory with Frank Farrell, um, we did something called a deconstruction, which is something I've never done before, uh, and that just had to do with the, it was, uh, he, the way he described it. It's a it's a format for improv nerds. <laughs> it's it's something obviously not audience members are going to be like, oh, that's that's quite a form you guys have. It, you know, audience members just I just want to see comedy. Um, but it was, it was sort of, you know, there was like two long scenes and then five sort of breakdown scenes and then two other ones. Um, and I'm still probably messing it up, but, uh, it was super, super fun. And, um, that to me, it it was just extending, uh, extending comedy experience. It, It was a very different experience. And, um, early on for me, I can tell you. I was literally trying to get comedy on my calendar every day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. I first like, um, I first knew who you were from the decoy and then slowly and surely I saw you either around the theater or in other shows more and more like, like you were one of the people in my head that was like, Oh, he's doing too much. He needs to like have a night off. Yeah, I for me the, the thing was for me is and even now I still feel it. It was I gotta catch up. Uh, I haven't I haven't I didn't even know about this stuff before 2016, and where other people are well versed in it, and you can tell people get on that stage and they own it, and it's like you get caught watching because there's so many talented people. So I was like, I need to put in my hours. Mm. <laughs> um, and, uh, and and really, it was just, I, I mean, I don't want to, it was just like getting in the gym a little bit, just putting yourself in un, you know, reasonably uncomfortable situations where you're like, I, I need to step up here or I need to, uh, uh, you know, put myself out there in front of an audience. Um, and, and I don't know if you, you know, we used to, the, they used to do jams uh, where you could sign up and, um, and if you signed up and they called your name, you can go and perform and you didn't necessarily need mm-hmm. any experience with that stuff. Um, and for me, I would just, I would used to go to those all the time and, you know, try to get, I, you, 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 you would be able to perform with the actual, um, you know, house team. Uh, and at the time when I just started getting to do, you know, a 30 second scene with somebody who's on the house team was a major deal. I and mean, even now, uh, it's still, it's still a major deal, but, yeah, I was definitely, I was doing too much and I knew it, but I was like, I need to do this. <laughs> uh, but it's also one of those things, especially with those jams, it's one of those things that like, one of the ways to get better is to play with people who are better than you. Like, like it theoretically should like up your game, just being around all men. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure. Because um, you, you see when there's somebody and I, I mean, when you see somebody, not necessarily 
better than you, but just to make it simple, when you see somebody better than you, those those people are they're they're in it. They're in the moment, as in like they're not seeing you. You know what I mean? They're seeing, they're just seeing the stage. They're in tune, listening, listening to what the audience is listening to, um, and they're even in the scene with you. They're just moving, um, and and it's interesting watching somebody. You could be right next to somebody, and you might think like, "Oh man, I I wonder, you know, what's going on." It, 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 sometimes it's it's if you're not paying attention, you can lose track of what's going on in the scene on the sideline. And you might think somebody next to you is sort of in that same boat. And that person just runs out and makes a huge move that kills the crowd and everything like that. And you're just like, oh, wow. Like that person was tuned in while, you know, you know you're in your own head. Um, it's, it's just great seeing, seeing that up front and um, seeing how really the great people, they could just make you look good, man. They could just, they just make you look good. They'll just serve you up uh, kind of an alley-oop, just toss you up an alley-oop, and you just kind of have to just catch it and then put it in the basket because they just serve it up right there for you. Um, and they make you look good. I, I think it's easy, especially with improv when you get on stage, especially early on, I, I mean to say. Um, you, I, I think with comedy with your friends, you're very used to, you know, quips and, and being defensive and sort of one-upping and tr maybe trying to make your friend look look bad not in a you know terrible way but you know poke fun so it's easy to c come off negative early on um where the great ones that i've seen and played with they're just uber positive you you know you could lay any negative situation on them and they'll turn it and flip it into a whole different thing and you just roll with that and um yeah, it's definitely, I agree with you. It's, it's really, it's really great and eye-opening playing with somebody better than you. I know we're skipping some things, but let's talk about American Express. Um, I, the first time I, I'd heard American Express doing things was, uh, I believe, uh, was put together uh, for Versus. Um, and it just, it started as an improv team. And it also feels very free-flowing where there's not like, you know, eight permanent members. It's it feels like it can you can come and go, work when you can, come in when you can. Um, so tell me about the beginnings or when you join up with American Express. Sure. Um, I uh, so the beginning of American Express was before me. Um, it was David Danella and I believe one or two other people who started the team. Um, and I believe at the, in the beginning, they were just, they were, or they, they were an indie improv team made up of uh, black and brown people in the city. Um, and uh, for Versus was, uh, you know, we've, we, we've done a couple, I, I, they've done a couple shows obviously across the city. Um, versus, I think, uh, I came in later, but I, versus I think was okay, so, one of the, so American Express started wait before I thought, but maybe before I really was paying attention or. Uh, I, well, I just I, what I was gonna say. I think versus was the was the biggest show at that time, uh, that at least most eyes in one show 
that had seen American Express because I think they they sold out uh, they sold out main stage uh, for verses and, and I'm I'm guessing they hadn't done that before. Sure. Okay. Um, uh, so that was the one where I was like, oh, and and, and yeah, we we won verses. Um, so we made a lot of noise for that, and the the big thing that came out of that uh, was one. It was just super fun. It, it was just super, you know, uh, gratifying. And these people who I've seen on other teams, uh, you know, getting to play with them was crazy to me. Um, and still today, it's uh, I don't know if you lose that feeling of you know that person's just straight up better than me. Um, and it's not even a bad thing. It's just like, wow. Um, uh, after Versus, we were offered, uh, you know, a show to do whatever we want. To, or we were offered, uh, you know, uh, uh, stage time. Mm-hmm. And we took that and we, you know, created a show format called Family Business. And, um, yeah, I would say that that was a, a pretty that was a big chapter. I mean, for me and, and I think for American Express as well, um, that was when we started, you know, doing sketch and variety comedy. We, we really packaged a show together. So we would introduce our show with, you know, stand up sketch, um, some aspect that individuals on our team would, uh, come up with. And then we do our improv and then we do a jam at the end, uh, where we would have people in the audience come and play with us. Uh, and we've been doing that. Uh, we've been doing that show for uh, a year and like five, five, six months now. Um, so yeah, that's been great, and that's just been an opportunity for us to literally, you know, work together, write, 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 write a bunch of sketches, write a bunch of sketches together, and put them up in our shows. And we've done one-off sketch shows, our sketch shows as well, like we have coming up for Fringe, um, mm. which is uh, super exciting. Uh, uh, do you do you all employ like an improv to sketch thing? Like, do you do you improv and eventually, you know, click them like, oh, let's let's explore this, let's write this, let's keep going with that one? Not, just, not in the traditional sense, oddly enough. What we not by choice, just just by how we are when we are around each other. I think a lot of content comes from us. Just, I think we all talk a lot. So, and when we're around each other, <laughs> we get very hyper and you know very active, and we will just take a joke. You know, just like any other comedian, really. Just. Um, just going back and forth on some joke or some something that we realize we relate on, um, and uh, yeah, that some of that content seeped into you know our friend show coming up, um, uh, and a lot of that content uh, has seeped into uh, stuff I wrote, and, and it's just it's just um, it just ends up being just a, a really fun way to create content, and it's, and it, it, it it's by accident. Um, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of times, you know, you could say, um, you hear people say, oh, oh, that's a sketch. Uh, I, you know, that, I think that might get tossed around a lot, but um, that it, just, it just happens a lot with American Express. And uh, <laughs> it's just a matter of, I, I think for me, maybe selfishly, and maybe this 
feeling of, oh, yeah, I need to catch up. Uh, for me, it's like, okay, no more, uh, no more good ideas. Like we need to write this down and do it. Like we can't just, it's like, this is too, <laughs> too funny. Um, kind of going back to like watching Kim Peel. Uh, again, I don't know why I was giving myself this arrogance, but in my mind, I was like, I'm enjoying this more than other people. Uh, so I should be doing this. And when I hear something funny, especially, you know, somebody on American Express, I'm like, we just, we need to write it and, or we just need to perform this right now because it's too good. Tell me about the upcoming French show, Real America. Uh, so Real America, uh, the, the, the plug is our version of what America is or, or the reflection of America and uh, how we see it. So we wanted to sort of paint the, paint the lens of what we see, um, uh, you know, through our eyes. And, and uh, a lot of that, a lot of that is, you know, based on uncomfortable moments. A lot of that is based on, Pain, a lot of that is based on experience, a lot of it is based on just fun, uh, silly, awkward stuff that happens to you that you kind of, like, I, I, you know, the, the only way I can deal with this is, is if I write this. Um, uh, you know, some of the, some, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just based on, um, you know, elements that we've, growing up in America, we've taken, um, we've either internalized for the longest time or, um, or based on current events, um, that it was sort of a challenge for us to say, can, you know, can we build a show uh, in this you know, in this political type of environment and still make it a watchable, or and still make it a fun uh, a fun show to to attend for everybody? Um, uh, so that that was really the, the premise of it up front. Okay. Um, I know I've skipped a ton of stuff, but we'll get to it in part two eventually. Um, so what's something that uh, you would, what's a piece of advice that you would give to a new writer or a new comedian? Like what's something that you've learned that you would pass on to the next generation? Um, I would say, oh yeah, I would say um, be bad. Be, be bad as in uh, fail. Um, I guess more specifically, if you're a writer, write whatever you want. Write what is funny to you. Write what feels good. Um, so write with your strong hand, and by that I mean, um, you know what clicks with you, as opposed to, uh, you know, maybe something you see on TV or uh, you see other writer style. You know, kind of internalize it. You know, kind of, you know, what's funny to you or what would you like to make a comment or commentary on and then just do it. Um, and it's going to be bad. And that's, that's great. The, the best, uh, the, the best feedback you can get is from an audience. So without that feedback, you, you sort of, you can get caught in your mind of, Oh, is this funny or is this not funny? Or you could even get caught, um, you know, in a, in a, in a writer's room of just editing and editing and editing and editing without trying it. Um, so the biggest thing is get it up on its feet. Um, whether it be stand up, um, if it's stand up, just go to an open, write, go to an open mic. Um, just try it. And the, the, 
the biggest thing for me is getting used to be, being comfortable in the silence. <laughs> so when you're not funny, uh, I think that's 10 times harder than a heckler. Uh, I've only had a heckler maybe like once or twice, but uh, I used to think a heckler was the scariest thing, but at least with a heckler, it's, it's clearly that they're being, you know, a, a, a jerk of some sort. And you could almost address that in, in, in any way you can. With silence, it's when you don't get that laugh, you tend to panic a little bit. And if you could just take a couple more seconds, take a deep breath and settle in that, that's where, that's where some of the joy, that's where some of the fun can start if you just get comfortable in that. Um, as long as you're being appropriate, obviously. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so settle in, settle, um, in, in that, in, in front of the crowd, um, you know, face the crowd, so settle in those moments where you don't get that big laugh, and you know, it's okay. And then um, put the content up on its feet. Don't leave it on paper. Don't leave it in your mind. Um, you know, don't just talk about it. Put it on its feet. And uh, you mentioned the sense that you need to catch up, that you need to keep going, catch up to other people. I don't know if we were talking about like uh, Gladwell's 10,000 hours thing or anything, but uh, why comedy? Why is comedy the way that you spend your free time? I can, I can say this. Um, so I didn't, I started so late. I didn't, um, uh, this is going to sound funny. I didn't like, uh, you know, have comedy and music and, um, you know, sports. I, I didn't necessarily like kind of look at a list and say, what do I like? Um, I'm going to pick this. I'm going to pick comedy. I'm going to go with that. Um, literally it took me, it took a process as in, I tried to think about, you know, what do I think about the most? when I, when I come home after work and, you know, there's nothing to do, what do I find myself doing the most? And what do I think about the most? Um, and for me, I found myself, whether it be, it was music, but then it was also, but that thing that I couldn't really do much with music. The other thing was I, I was constantly looking up, <laughs> looking up the backgrounds of comedians or comedian actors that I loved. Um, I was, watching stand-up a lot um and and i i and actually i wrote there was things i was writing they weren't they weren't comedic but they were literally just things in my apartment that i would write out of frustration and for some it just took me a long time to look look back on that and and realize i think i think there's based on my activity based on my actions that to me means i think there's uh you know I, I like comedy so for me it's finding what you want and really really what you truly like or what you find yourself have a tendency to be good at some sort of weird knowledge that you have that you don't even realize that you think about a lot finding what you like and then that's one part of the triangle the second part is becoming skillful at that make that a craft you know honing that skill whether it be at a theater or if you have to go to school um or if you have to just go to an open mic uh any little 
bitty, itty, bitty progress to that is joy. And it doesn't even matter how big or small it is, it's joy. So honing that skill and then, and that, that alone could take a lifetime. And for me, the second, the, that, the last part of the triangle is sort of, you know, at this point, you know, can I, can, can I, can I pay a bill with this? <laughs> can I turn this into something that could, you know, pay a meal, um, and, you know, from a very feasible, tangible standpoint, um, as opposed to like, oh, can I make this my career? You know, can I, you know, can I, can I make, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars? Can I be on TV? It's like, let's shrink that into, to just this, this next little itty bitty, itty bitty step. You know, can can I, can I, can I, uh, you know, buy my next smoothie with money I made from comedy? Yes or no? Right. <laughs> so I think that's uh, that's sort of uh, my goal. I don't think I have anything else for now. So thanks, Chris. Thank you, Josh. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for reaching. Out. You can see Chris as American Express presents Real America at the Philly Improv Theater, September 12th through the 15th, 8.30 p.m. every night, and an extra 5.30 p.m. show on the 15th. Tickets and more information can be found at amexcomedy.com. He also performs with the improv group Metropolis on most Tuesdays at FIT. Tickets for that show can be found at fitcomedy.com. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. And of course, like My First Sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. <laughs>